Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here for this brand new episode on the Learn to Love podcast, all about feelings, building up from our blog post, a cognitive neuroscience approach to understanding feelings. We're going to get all into some really interesting neuroscience, the way our brains work. We're going to talk a little bit about anthropology, like brain size, machine learning, and more. We're going to relate this to concepts of self-care, which are really popular in mainstream media, and trauma. It's going to continue our discussion on trauma from the last episode, and it's going to help you engage better with your partner because By understanding how our brains work, it's going to be a lot easier for you to understand how to interact in a situation, the things that drive your interactions, and how to be more effective with your partner. Uh, If you want to follow along in writing, you can check out our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog, a cognitive neuroscience approach to understanding feelings. We're also going to see here a little bit more of the foundation of why feelings don't have IQ and why feelings glitch. Continuing off some of those earlier uh, podcast episodes all about feelings. So thank you so much for joining me in this episode. So, oh, and one last thing, we're going to learn all about emotion too uh, and ways that people understand emotion. Um, And that's also going to relate to episodes on conflict resolution. All right, so let's begin. I want to talk about machine learning and brain size. And I want to do this because A, it's really interesting, and B, it's going to help us understand this this neuroscience that we're going to be talking about later. Because a big part of machine learning is called neural nets. Okay, deep learning, neural nets, well, what are they based on? They're based on neurons, um, actually the way that our minds think and process information. So what is machine learning? Um, this is a really popular buzzword. Um, it basically relates to a computer, uh, a software, to be more, more exact, that can find associations between things without us having to tell it necessarily where to group things together. And there are different kinds of machine learning. There's supervised and unsupervised. In supervised learning, you give it some examples, like you set aside categories, um, and the computer 
figures out the cat, like assigns things to categories based on their similarities and differences. And in unsupervised, you actually don't give the computer, well, I mean, to put it simply, categories. It kind of just figures it out on its own. So an example of this would be, let's say that you have um, a study where you have a whole bunch of participants um, and they fill out some questionnaire and you want to group the participants into categories, essentially, um, to put them into groups. So a computer would be able to look at the similarities and differences in terms of data points. Um, if it's written, you'd go qualitative, uh, another kind of research I'm not going to talk about um, here. And it can do a whole bunch of things like support vector machines and clustering, um, essentially to figure out what goes where to assign a category to data. Okay. Now, the same thing happens with our minds, because when we experience things every day, we interact with like a whole lot of different things. There's a whole lot going on around us. And our brain needs to summarize a way to understand how we're supposed to feel in any given situation. So for example, let's say that you are walking, you know, on a, on a trail in a forest and the sky is clear and the sun is out and you can hear birds chirping. Well, all of that is, is input essentially going to your brain. So trees, sun, sky, birds, okay, the trail. And we need to know how we're supposed to feel in that situation. So we could feel anxious, we could feel calm, we could feel relaxed. This, our, our experiences, essentially in life, are going to determine what reaction comes as like our, our gut reaction. Now, how does this work? So if we take any event, take, for example, walking in the park, okay, or walking on that trail in the forest, there's a whole bunch of different components of that event. So, for example, the sun, the sky, the trees, the leaves, birds, um, the path, colors, smells, if there's wind or not, all of that forms components, essentially pieces, parts of the interaction that we have with the, with the environment. And our brain is going to summarize a feeling, essentially, there's going to be a feeling attached to each of those components. And so, so for example, clear skies may be associated with peace or tranquility or happy or, or good feelings, calm, relaxed. Whereas, um, like wind blowing, for example, if it's hot uh, and a gentle breeze may make us feel really good. Um, and, and the forest, the trees, may make us feel really peaceful. So when you group all those components together, we have peaceful, happy. The sum of that is going to be what we feel in that situation, which is, is happy or, or calm or, or peaceful. Now, the thing is, if something went wrong, for example, let's say that we were once lost in a forest and we felt very anxious because we got lost, let's say, on a camping trip, um, for example, like we were with somebody and they, like they, they left us stranded alone in the woods, or let's say we watched a horror movie and in the horror movie, we saw people get stranded and lost in the woods and we got absolutely terrified, um, in that horror movie of those people who got lost and they were so stuck and we were like, oh my goodness, that is terrible. 
I'm so scared because these people got lost in, in the forest and, you know, it was really awful and I don't want that to happen to me. Well, you see, now what we have is we have a different associated feeling attached to that component of trees and forest. So if in one case, if we didn't have any negative experience in the, in the forest or around a forest, it would the, the component of forest would come with an associated feeling of calmness, tranquility. But if we were once abandoned or alone or stuck in a forest, um, or we saw a horror movie where like a whole bunch of bad things happened in the setting of a forest, then we would have an anxious associated feeling with forest. So when we, when we saw a forest, it would make us feel very anxious because it would bring back that negative sensation, okay, last time we saw that the forest. Um, so this is something really important that I want to drive home here, um, is that things that we interact with, okay, how do we know what we want to feel, how, how we're going to feel, like a gut feeling in any situation? Well, the first thing that happens is, what I'm going to propose, is that our brains break down all the different components of the interaction that's going on, okay? And then we have feelings that are associated with each of those components. And the sum of all those feelings attached to all those components is going to lead to our emotional reaction to the situation. So for example, um, if that forest is associated with peace and tranquility and being relaxed, then we get that relaxed feeling, okay? But if, you know, it's associated with anxiety, we may get an anxious feeling. Now, this is kind of common sense at this point. But the thing is, they also hold different weights. So let's say that normally everything is going well, everything's going nicely, um, but there's like a little thing that really sets you off. For example, let's say that you're with your friend and you're having a conversation at a coffee shop, um, and then your friend comments on like somebody's body weight. Um, they say that someone gained weight and that they don't look good. Um, and you've been a little bit self-conscious about your weight. That's going to do is it's going to trigger that component. So a new component has entered the situation, um, which is being self-conscious about weight. So, so that, that part of the situation is judging somebody for being too big. Okay. And the associated feeling for you was very, very negative, a lot of anxiety, because it's something that bothers you. So that what, what other people might think of a little thing, that little thing may overwhelm the whole situation and make the whole situation bad, because that component has way more weight than all the other components of the situation, which is why... Um, let's say that you have an, uh, an interaction with people and many good things happen, but somebody says a bad thing, you'll remember that bad thing. You may not remember all the good things, but bad things tend to stick, unfortunately, because um, they keep coming back for us. Um, but that's because they have a lot of weight. That component has a lot, a lot of weight on our, on our, on our feelings. Like, let's say that's 70% of the weight of the situation goes to that one component, and then all the other components go to the other 30%, that anxiety will overpower all the other good feelings, okay? 
And these are what soft spots are, um, which we talked about soft spots a couple times. We had a dedicated episode right at the beginning. Um, and then again, we touched on them on an in conflict resolution. They're due to unresolved trauma. They're essentially triggers, okay, components that have a very intense negative feeling associated with them. Those are soft spots. So for example, if somebody felt very self-conscious about their weight for a long time, okay, and anytime somebody talks about someone being too big, um, it triggers them and they get very overwhelmed with emotion, that would be a soft spot, okay? A soft spot. And remember, what are soft spots? They get us from zero to 100 really, really quickly. Our emotions rise, like our heart rate gets very high, we feel tense in our muscles, our breathing picks up, we feel heavy in our chest, okay? Um, over like something which acts as that major trigger. So that, that's a soft spot, something that triggers us. And because of them, we have to be aware of the way that other people react to situations. We can't just assume that everyone's going to react to something in the same way that we do because they all have different soft spots. And the other thing, the really, really big thing, is we all have different associated feelings to different components. And essentially, being raised, like our, our experiences as we're raised, as we're raised as we grow up, um, influence the feelings that we associate and the significance that we associate to different components of interactions. So for example, let's say that you always had dinner all together with your family, okay? Um, and, or let's say like, for example, every Friday, every Friday you had a family dinner, you were always together and you ate in the house and the phones were away and um, people were present and you guys were all talking to each other at the table. So what happens here is, is it's a habit, habit formation. We tend to enjoy things that we do a lot out of repetition because we tend to have more preference towards the things that we're more familiar with and we're more comfortable with. Um, that's, that's one thing. But the other thing is, is now we, we've associated feelings and components to a setting. So for example, Friday evenings, now one of the components that we're used to having in a Friday evening is a sit-down dinner. And the associated feeling to that is a lot of maybe pleasure, happiness, comfort, and a sense of peace. So now if we, we almost accept, ex expect to have those dinners on Fridays now moving forward in the house because that component is so important to us. But somebody else who never had dinners all together with their family on Fridays wouldn't know about this component. It wouldn't exist to them. The component of group dinner with you know everyone not having their phones wouldn't exist. So when you put two people in a room together and they come from these different backgrounds, the one is going to say, um, it's really important that we have dinner together as a family on a Friday. And the other might say, Friday's my day for going out with friends because they have a component of going out with friends on Fridays. And that's going to lead to tension unless you talk about it, okay? Unless you uncover the components that go into your interactions, the things that you expect from the situation and the feelings that are associated with it. And remember, Everyone puts different significance on, on components, okay? So, for example, if that Friday night dinner is really important to you, there's going to be a lot of significance on the component of people being together, okay, that, that piece of people being together with other phones and having dinner. Um, and if it's missing, um, it's going to be very intense for you, 
like not intense, but in the sense of there's going to be like, it's going to feel like very, very bad. Like something very bad or very wrong um, is occurring. But if the other person doesn't have that component, um, they're not going to even notice that anything's wrong in the first place. Which is why I say it's so important that we talk about the way we feel in different situations, okay? Um, And our wants, needs, and expectations of ourselves, of our partners, um, because it's going to help us understand the components that they expect and the significance they put on them, as well as the feelings that are associated with those components. Now, I want to transition a little bit more now into topics of self-care. Um, and then in, in the blog post, we actually talk quite a little bit about genetics and anthropology. Um, so we can get into that too. Um, and we also talk a little bit about how children learn how to assign significance and components from their parents. And then we talk about fears um, too. So let's get into that. I want to start first with self-care. So remember when we talked about in the episode on, on feelings glitch, um, feelings don't have IQ? We, we said feelings glitch when we don't take care of ourselves. Well, that has a lot to do with components, okay? The, this, this idea of the brain being a collection of components with associated feelings, okay? Um, and that is because when we don't take care of ourselves, we bring negative components into other situations. And then those components overwhelm the whole dynamic and we end up blaming the negative feeling on the partner or on somebody else when really it's coming from that other component within us. But it's way easier to assign blame on somebody else than on us because we don't, we don't want to feel like we're doing something wrong. Okay? Um, but it's really, really important to always recognize the dimensions, the components, the pieces that we bring into dynamics. And they are especially evident when we don't take care of ourselves. So take this for example, okay? You didn't sleep enough the night before. Like, let's say you had some function, some engagement that you did really didn't want to go to, or you just really wanted to finish a movie, or you, I don't know, like, like something got in the way of you not being able to sleep when you wanted to sleep. Let's say that you've been going to bed at 10.30 every night for the past, like, you know, like most nights a week for the past three months, and you went to bed at 12.30 last night. So that's a big disruption to your sleep cycle, um, especially if you, if, if you woke up as well at a different time as when you normally wake up, okay? It's like a double disruption. So you're going to feel very tired, and your emotions are going to be a little bit more loose throughout the day and that it's easier to trigger a stress response um, and to trigger intense emotions throughout the day. Um, when we're tired, our emotional regulation gets thrown out of whack, okay? So let's say that, you know, your partner asks you to, like, sweep the floor or something. You, or, or let's say, I don't know, anything. You're having a conversation with your partner. You're going for a walk with your partner. You might feel very, like, like not so good after that. Like, let's say you went for a walk, and you just don't feel so good after the walk. And what you do is you say, you, you think in your head, you know, my partner isn't making me feel so good. I don't feel so good because of my partner. Or you think, oh, I didn't feel so good when I was with my partner during that walk. Um, you know, 
I don't know, like maybe my partner just isn't so good to hang out with and go for walks with. Maybe walks with my partner just aren't an enjoyable thing. Okay. And we, t- we may even tell our partner to do something like, um, or our friends, um, you know, we went for a walk. It was kind of boring. You know, it's, it's kind of boring when we're alone together. What we're doing here is, is we're using the feeling that we got in the dynamic and we're assigning that essentially to our partner. We're, we're saying, I didn't feel so good in the dynamic because my partner was boring or because my partner and I don't click or, or something like this. But what we're missing is a major component that led us not to feel good is tiredness, okay? And the associated feeling of being tired, which is feeling stressed, feeling anxious, um, not feeling happy, um, and feeling dissatisfied. You can all have that from being tired. And we brought that component into the dynamic. That's the thing. We brought that tiredness, which is going to have a huge effect on our mood, into that dynamic of going for a walk with our partner. Okay, and the thing with that is that if if we just slept more the night before, we wouldn't have brought that into the dynamic in the first place. Okay, so that's the, the thing I'm saying here is you have to be really, really cautious of what you bring, the components you bring, because remember your gut feeling or the feeling you're going to get from the situation is going to be the sum of the feelings from all the components in the situation. And if you're tired, those feelings associated with being tired, okay, feeling dissatisfied, feeling anxious, feeling stressed, um, not feeling happy, are going to make a huge dent, okay, play a huge role in the dynamic that you have with your partner. Whereas for your partner, if they were well slept, if they, I'm sorry, if they slept well the night before and they're very well rested, they might have really, really enjoyed that walk because they don't have that huge thing that they carry with them, that tiredness, which throws the whole dynamic out of whack. And it's not just tired. It goes for any self-care thing. Like if you don't eat well, if you don't sleep well, okay, we talked about sleep. If you don't exercise, if you don't um, like keep your brain busy through reading and having hobbies, something that brings meaning. I will talk a lot about meaning in future episodes. Um, the relation of meaning and suffering um, and works of Viktor Frankl, which is really, really interesting. Um, and if you don't drink enough, a lot of people don't drink enough water. A lot of people walk around and spend most of their life dehydrated and they don't even notice. Okay. That also has a big, big effect on mood. And what I'm saying is if you don't do these things, if you don't exercise, if you don't eat well, if you don't get some fresh air and go for a walk, okay. If you don't sleep, if you don't drink enough water, you're not going to feel good. Just, you know, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you're not going to feel good in almost anything that you do. You're just not. And the thing is, when you're dissatisfied, you're going to blame that on your partner. You're going to say, I'm not happy. It must be my partner. Or on TV, I see that people are happy in relationships and I'm not happy right now. So, you know, there must be a problem with me and my partner. But that's not true. The problem is with yourself. You are the problem. If you are not taking care of yourself you are not going to feel happy in any dynamic that you put yourself in, okay? And you may think, oh, well, I'm happy with my friends. Well, yeah, because you don't see your friends as much as your partner, okay? But I'm telling you, if you did spend as much time with your friends as you spend with your partner, there would be many, many instances where the initial excitement of meeting a friend that you haven't seen in a while wanes off and you would start feeling bad, okay? After 40 minutes even or even less. 
Okay. So a big question that you have to ask yourself is like when, when you're trying to understand, is it me or is it my partner or am I happy? Okay. And another big misconception in society is that we're always supposed to be happy. That's not true. Okay. There are many, many experiences in life that aren't happy. Okay. And no matter what you do, no matter which route in life you take, you're going to feel them because we just adjust to the environment that we're in. Okay. Which is why, um, People have virtually everything today, more than any generation that they've ever had before. I mean, we have food from all over the world. Most of the food you eat did not exist, if it, except if you lived, either didn't exist at all because like, it wasn't invented yet. It, it wasn't crossbred, okay? For example, like many fruits and vegetables that we have today. Um, or it just didn't grow in the part of the world where you lived and you never left your village. And that was just life. Okay, and today we have everything more than any other generation ever in terms of consumable goods and ability to travel, and we're still unhappy. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. No matter what you do in life, you're just going to adjust to the situation that you're in. And we we talked about this a bit already, but we'll get more into it in future episodes. But what I, what I was saying is, you need to ask yourself, okay, because we judge ourselves differently to the way we judge other people. If a friend, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of try to step out of your body um, for a moment here when, when we answer this question. If a friend was watching you, if a video camera was watching you and you were kind of watching this from the camera and you were, you were watching this person, okay? Or let's say, sorry, let me rephrase this to make it a little bit easier to understand. Let's say that you were your friend and you were watching yourself as a third person, Okay. If your friend was doing what you were doing, okay, would you tell your friend that what they're doing will make them happy? For example, if your friend is going to bed late, if your friend is not eating well, if your friend is not exercising, if your friend is not getting fresh air, going for walks, having a hobby, and doing something intellectually fulfilling, okay, and your friend complains to you and says, I'm not happy, what would you tell your friend? But the thing is that we're so bad at seeing these things in ourselves. We bring all these negative components into dynamics with our partners, into anything that we do in life, and we don't realize that it's actually coming from ourselves. There, there are some things I saw. Um, this was mentioned in 12 Rules uh, for Life by Jordan Peterson, um, which said that people often take better care of their dogs than they do for themselves. Like, they'll make sure that their dog gets every meal. They'll make sure that the dog has the best dog food and that their dog goes for walks. And if the dog needs the vet, it goes to the vet. But then they fail to take their medication on time. They don't eat the best food. They don't go for walks. They don't exercise. They don't see the doctor when they're sick, you know? And it's just a question for you. Is what components are you bringing into situations? Tiredness, anxiousness from not moving, okay? Remember we said you have to move to degrade cortisol and other stress-related hormones in the body, not to not having a hobby, not doing anything intellectually fulfilling. And by the way, I think a major, major, major culprit of this, okay, is social media and the internet. Because today, it is so easy to open your phone and go on social media that people are not taking the time to do intellectually fulfilling things, like read books, start projects, take on new roles at work, have a meaningful conversation with somebody, okay? It takes effort to set that up, and it may not be as enjoyable in the moment as going on the phone, but down the road, it will lead you to feel better after an hour, 
after two hours, after three hours, like speaking on the phone with a friend. It's really hard today for a lot of people to set up times to speak on the phone with their friends because friends are just like, I'm always busy. I'm always doing my own thing. I'm not available. No, 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 no. When really you know that they're just on social media and they're not actually as busy as they think they are. I think they say they're busy because they feel like they're not good enough. And they're they're trying to make you feel that they're important because maybe they don't see that in themselves. I don't know. I'm just throwing this idea out there. But you just have to... Like, it, it takes a while to speak on the phone with a friend to set that up. But after, I mean, unless there's social anxiety or something, you build a meaningful relationship with them, you speak every week, your mood will lift and you will feel better. So just big, big question is, what components do you bring? Is it really your partner? Or is it something that you're doing or not doing? Because remember, we said it's really hard to assign a role of the feeling. Did the feeling come from me? Or did the feeling come from my partner? And that's the thing. That's where feelings glitch. And the other thing that feelings glitch, we said it's related to hormones. It's related to random things that aren't in our control. We're just going to feel bad sometimes. But I just always want you to try to ask yourself, which component is causing that sensation? Which component is leading me to feel this way? Is it my partner? I'm telling you, it's often not your partner. It's often the way that you're treating yourself. I want to relate this now to the stories that we tell ourselves, okay? Um, and then I'm going to loop this back um, to finish the machine learning story, because um, now that we talked about some examples, it's going to make sense in the context of machine learning. Then I want to talk a little bit more about innate components um, that we have, um, and yeah, more about learning uh, and, and we're going to bring this back to trauma. If we don't have time to finish it in this episode, we'll get back into it um, in the next one. So, oh, and also in the, the blog post features memory. So, um, yeah, if we don't have time for that in this episode, we'll talk more about memory in the next one and related to this component, cognitive neuroscience approach. So I want to talk about the stories that we tell ourselves, okay, and how these influence um, the components and the associated feelings that go along with them. So if you see something, okay, wait, you're, you're going to, okay, well, your thoughts, you know how people say your thoughts become your reality in a sense? People often see what they look for or what they expect to see. So have you ever like really wanted to buy new shoes because you think that your shoes aren't good enough and then you look around and suddenly you notice the shoes that everyone has and like, you never noticed it, but suddenly everyone has these shoes. Or like, here's an example. Um, you learn about a new car. Um, and and now that you know this car exists, you suddenly notice it. Anytime the car passes, you notice it. Okay. But like before, you just never noticed it. It was still there. You just didn't notice it. And that's because our brains can only take in so much information at once. So what ends up happening is we end up filtering out a lot of the information that we consume we only end up letting in the most important things, okay? And what we choose to let in, based on where our thoughts are, where our values and priorities are, um, and what we expect to see also, like the lenses that we see the world by, that's going to affect what we actually end up seeing. So um, when we talked about lenses, I, I brought this up a bit before, but you can think again of like a blue screen, okay? Or like, remember those 3D glasses with the blue and the red? If you look through the blue section, it doesn't matter what light someone shines at you. You're, you're going to see everything with a blue tint. 
Okay, if, if you're looking at a white light through a blue lens, like a blue screen, a blue filter, it's going to look blue. If somebody shines a red laser at a blue lens, it's going to look purple. And you're going to say, ah, I can't see red. Everything has blue. It's like, yeah, just take off the blue lens, okay? The lenses that we see the world by. Now, this is going to influence the way that we see and interact with our partners in this way. Because let's say that no matter what your partner does, you see them with a negative perspective, okay? You're, you're in a sense, you, you think that they're negative. So you look for negativity in them. What you're doing is you're trying to find a negative component in the interaction. And whatever you find, you blow it up. You make it really big. You make it represent 80% of the dynamic. And however you feel around your partner is going to be based on the feeling, the associated feeling with that negative component. Okay, remember we talked about earlier with the, the dinners and how important the dinner is to you, like on Friday evenings. Um, and also like noticing the car. You can, in a sense, choose what weight you want to put on every component. The components you want to ignore or not, you know, pay so much attention to because they're not so important to you. So why should you waste energy on them? And the components that are so essential that you want to notice them, okay? Um... And this relates to the way we see our partner. So obviously, like, let's say that you got married. If you wanted to marry somebody, you must have felt at least at some point that they're a good person, right? I mean, you wouldn't choose to marry somebody that you didn't think was a good person. So what ended up happening is you, at one point, you put a lot of positive stories on the way you interacted with them. You saw them from a very positive lens. And no matter what they did, you try to judge favorably and look for the positive in the interaction. This is why judging favorably is such an important part of many religions, okay? And, and many value systems is when you judge favorably, when you look for the positive, you often find it because people often end up seeing what they expect to see, Okay. Now, there are examples of very, very, very negative events in history. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, yes, they were like positive, some positive things that occurred, like some people who did good things when a lot of people did bad things. Um, but there are extreme examples of this, of course, where it doesn't apply. But in most everyday interactions, okay, including the interaction you have with your partner, the story you tell yourself and the components that you choose to blow up, okay, to like put a lot of emphasis on, play a major role. So if you look for positive in your partner, you're going to see it, okay? The, that component is going to make up a big part of your interaction. So for example, let's say that your partner comes home and brings you, um, let's say that your partner comes home and asks you how your day at work was and their tone of voice, I don't know, it sounded like a little bit stressed. If you're looking for positive, you're going to say, Oh, you know, and tell them and then, you know, ask if you can, you know, go and give them a hug um, and ask them about how they're doing and smile. Because remember, we talked about modeling, how we want to see because of mirror neurons. Um, we'll touch on them again in this episode if we have time. If not, we'll explore them in the next one. Um, but essentially, people often, you know, they act in a similar way to what we show them. So if you smile and you give a hug and you act very warmly and lovingly, usually people respond in a warm and loving way back. But if you are looking for negative in your partner, you may respond in a very negative way because you may think of that tone of voice, okay, as not something that may have come from just normal stress, 
but something that's totally unacceptable. Like, wow, I can't believe they said that to me. You know, how could they say that? How could they talk to me in this way? I do everything around here. And who are they to talk to me with that tone of voice? That is just not right. I'm not going to be spoken to in this way. Okay? You could have that reaction. And if you do, and you don't necessarily have to say it, if you show it in your face through your facial expression, it's going to make your partner stressed. It might trigger them. It might remind them of an event that they're very anxious about or make them feel anxious in general. And you may see their anxiousness as hostility when really it is just an expression of fear, okay, or, or feeling scared, insecure, okay, not feeling secure, scared, essentially, insecure, um, or something totally unrelated to you. Maybe their anxiousness has nothing to do with you, but about another component, like, for example, something that happened with their friends, okay? Or even a story that they read in the news, okay? But the thing is, if you judge them, if you, if you, like, look for bad in them, you will be able to make anything bad. I'm telling you, if you look for bad in someone, it will be so easy for you to see them as a bad person. And if you look for good in someone, it will also be easy for you. Okay. And they're they're very extreme events of of history. Okay. Like major historical events. I'm not going to talk about, I'm talking about like your partner, like, like 99.9% of people in the world. If you look for good in them, you will be able to find good aspects. Okay. So that's, that's why the stories we tell ourselves are so important. Because if, if you look for negative and you make negative components, 70% of that interaction, it doesn't matter how many times your partner put their arms around you, how many times their partner gave you a kiss, how many times your partner told you that they were thinking about you, no matter what your partner does, you are going to see them in negative ways. And that may frustrate them so much. And this can lead to some really, really extreme and weird dynamics where like, you know, one partner brings the other partner flowers and the partner's like, why are you trying to take advantage of me? Why would you bring me this? You know, or like very negative or like, let's say that one partner is negative and the other partner is trying to get them back and being more negative. Okay. There's just a very, very downhill spiral that can lead to the destruction of the relationship. But when you look for positive and you also come from a sense of curiosity, it leads to more understanding because if your partner is stressed and you look for the positive, okay, if you judge favorably, this is so important, look for favorable ways of judging. See it as, oh, I wonder what happened. Maybe something happened with their mom or their sibling or something they read in the news or something with their friend. I wonder if there's something I can do to help them. Guys, it's hard for somebody to react negatively to you if you talk to them in that way. If you come from a place of wanting to understand and help, I mean, like, who's going to get mad at you over that? Yeah, there's some extreme examples, but most of the time, they're going to be so appreciative that you showed concern, and you want to ask, and, and you asked, you know? So let's say that they come across a little bit stressed, and you're looking for positive, and you're judging favorably, okay? So you, you find little glimmers of positivity, and you blow them up, and they become a major part of the component, and then you have good feelings associated with that. You're going to feel good in the interaction, Okay, so for example, partner's stressed, you say, you, you give them a hug, okay, you give them a kiss, and you say, hi, honey, how are you? I missed you today. And they're like, good, you know, and they walk away. Okay, so they're stressed. So are we looking for negative or positive? Maybe they need time to be by themselves. Maybe the commute from work was really, really stressful, and they just need a few moments to take a deep breath. Or maybe, guys, maybe. They just need to go to the washroom, okay? And they don't want to have a fight with you, but they just want to go straight to the washroom. Like, that's another thing, okay? 
give them a few moments, okay? You can, I don't know, prepare something um, or keep doing what you're doing, you know, like reading a book or something and then say, honey, are you okay? You know, or just give them a hug or just say, honey, I prepared dinner on the table and just look for positive things. How was your day? How do you feel? What's going on? And make emotional connection, okay? Because remember, people need emotion. They need some sort of connection. So you can help facilitate that through sharing how you feel and being receptive to how they feel and just being curious. What's going on? What can I do to help? What can I do to support you? We're on a team. I'm here for you. Okay? Look for a positive and you will see it most of the time. Okay? Most of the time. And in virtually every case with a partner that you married. Okay? Because you must have seen it at some point. You must have judged them favorably at one point if you decided to marry them. So, you know, just change the lens that you see the world. And I hope that you will be able to see what you once saw in them again. And if everything's going great in your marriage, that's fantastic. I'm so happy you're listening to this podcast. Think about interactions you have with your friend. If they were too busy, is that because there was something wrong with you? Is it because you are like a bad person? Okay. We're blowing up this component of self-doubt, of, of, of just not loving ourselves. Or is it that they're just socially anxious? Or that some, you know, they don't have the emotional capacity to speak on the phone right now with somebody because they're stressed about something else going on in their life. Or maybe they just don't have the tools and skills to be on the phone. Or maybe they're just going through something and need some time to be alone. Or maybe it has nothing to do with you at all and just that they have like one best friend and they don't want to talk to people other than that because it's too much for them. And it's sad, okay? But I want you to think that it's not you, okay? Because all of us in our heads, we think that we're like, the center of the world, and we put everything on us. It's because of me, it's because of me, it's because of me. And we blow up that component, me, 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 which is good in times of conflict with your partner. Think about how you're responsible. That's really, really good, okay? But um, if it's like cases with your friends or other things, you know, it, it may not be you. It may just be that they're tired. It may just be that something's going on. Or it may just be that they're not good at being social, and that's it, okay? But just... Work on taking care of yourself, and hopefully good things will come from that in future with other interactions you'll have with friends or other events and circumstances that will come in your life in the future, okay? We all go through hard times sometimes. Now, okay, so we let's summarize what we talked about in this episode. So we talked about feelings, okay, how we feel in any given situation, being a sum of all the components of that dynamic, of that situation, and the feelings that we associate with each of the components of the situation. And we can choose how big to make different components, okay? If we look for negative, we blow up that negative component. It becomes 80% of the interaction, and it overpowers everything else. And if we look for positive, we can blow up the positive component. And yeah, in extreme cases, if you only look for positive, you'll miss negative red flags and like a work or people may take advantage of you or something. Okay. Yes. But, but just recognize it in your relationship. Okay. And with your peers and try to use it in moderation. Just be aware. Okay. 
Now, if there is something negative, like a negative feeling attached to a component, for example, that forest, if you saw a horror movie and now you're scared of being alone in the forest, you're going to feel anxious. And if you don't have that, if you feel peaceful, that's going to make you feel good. Um, traumas, we talked about this with soft spots, we hinted at it, are a very, very, very negative feeling associated with a component, okay? Now, if this component and, and this feeling stops us from being able to engage in everyday interactions in life, um, then that can lead to a disorder. So I'll give you an example. Um, so a, a more minor example of this would be with soft spots. So like, for example, somebody comments on weight and you get very anxious, very tense. Um, there's a very, very negative feeling associated with that component, but it doesn't come up you know, so much every day in your job. And if your partner just avoids the topic, then that's okay. Okay, but what if it comes up in other places? So this is something like post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's say that loud sounds, this is common for some people, some like classes of, of post-traumatic stress disorder, trigger, so the component loud sounds in a dynamic, okay, triggers the associated feeling of very, very, very intense fear, anger, and emotional, like, like um, a lot of emotionals, a emotions, a lot of emotional arousal. So then it would be hard to do anything that involves loud noises, okay? Sudden loud noises. Notably, okay, fireworks, okay? But also other things like driving, horns honking, things falling at work, like, like something drops on the floor or any kind of job with tools or machinery that makes loud noises or things like announcements at a grocery store even. And now if, if, if it affects your ability to engage in all these settings, it may be a disorder. A disorder is essentially any set of symptoms that really, really affects in a negative way someone's ability to interact with the world and do everyday life things. Now, it's really interesting because like if somebody robs a house, for example, we would expect someone, like it would be normal for someone to have a very, very negative sensation associated with that component of a house being robbed, okay? But we wouldn't, like that would be normal. That would be understanding that someone got scared over their house being robbed, okay? Like seeing a robber in their house. But if it happened over like hearing a loud noise in a grocery store, okay, so that that is an associated feeling with a component, a match that society doesn't deem normal, at which point we would consider it interfering with every day life. So just be aware of that. Trauma, in a sense, is no different, really, from other interactions, except in the sense, when we talk about components, that the associated feeling is very, very, very intense. Okay, that's one thing. Very, very intense. And the other thing is associated with a component, oh, for disorder, by the way. Oh, I'm only talking about disorders right now. For it to be a disorder, it has to be a very intense feeling associated with a component that is common in everyday life and that an, an inability to have this component in the dynamic, for example, loud noises, being alone, um, even walking, okay, would make you unable to interact with a lot of things in everyday life. So if, if you have that combination, it can be a disorder. If you have a very, very intense negative feeling associated with any one component, that could be a trauma. Okay, remember, we talked about this in the last episode. Trauma is... is when your brain can't scrub the negative emotions from a memory in REM sleep, okay? Because it is so negative, it is so intense 
that it doesn't have the tools to scrub the emotions from it. Whereas other things get scrubbed, okay? So like things that really bothered us a few years ago, and especially when we were children, made us scream and cry as children, don't make us scream and cry today, okay? The emotion isn't so strong. It's been scrubbed so that we can function, okay? Now, when it's not scrubbed and you, and you have that very, very negative sentiment, very negative associated feeling with that component, that is, in essence, uh, trauma. Really, really interesting how, how we brought trauma into this. Um, and another thing related to this is, um, we, we, we won't get so much into this, but um, our brains and the way our, our brains work. So actually, there are a lot of things that we're more likely to associate negative feelings to than others. Okay, And we talk about this quite a bit in the blog post, and it relates to findings from anthropology. So an example of this is a snake. There are a lot of people scared of snakes. And if a child sees an adult scared of snakes, okay, that one event of seeing an adult scared of snakes is often enough to make a child scared of snakes for their whole life. Okay? But another thing, like a car, it's hard to make children scared of moving cars. Sometimes they see faces in the cars. Okay, and they like want to play or something. They're not scared of the car coming, which is very dangerous, but they're scared of snakes, even though cars are way more dangerous for children in most parts of the world in terms of the potential danger that it poses to children than snakes, because a lot of snakes in North America um, and other developed regions aren't poisonous, but there are cars there, okay, which are very dangerous. And, and part of that may be because our DNA is primed, essentially, to be scared of some things because it's easier to just be born with like preset things that are already instilled. Like you don't have to learn them because they're instilled in you. It makes less work for the, the older generation, the parents, to have to teach the children, okay? So for example, language. It's really, really hard for a kid not to learn a language. No matter what you do, the kid, most children are going to pick up a language. And that's because humans are primed to speak, Okay, it's just something you can't like not teach most children language. They will just pick it up. Okay, but snakes, for example, snakes have been posing a danger to humans for thousands of years. Um, it's easier for a child than to become scared of snakes than cars, which are relatively new. So we wouldn't expect some sort of genetic or other push um, to, uh, to have a negative associated feeling with that component. So some of this is pre-instilled and others are related to pain. So for example, if a child touches the hot stove, they learn very quick the components of heat in the in stove causes pain, which is a negative associated feeling, okay? It's a warning. Pain basically tells you, don't do this again. <laughs> if you touch a hot stove, God forbid. Um, so that's another thing too. So we learn through pain, okay? Or we learn through kind of preconceived ideas, okay? Which is why it's easier to be scared of snakes than cars. And we also learn through watching our parents. So babies, you know, we say babies are like a sponge and young children, they soak up everything. They're learning about components and the associated feelings they should have from their parents, okay? So if the parents really, really, really like lizards, the kid may end up really liking lizards, okay? If the parents really like engineering, the kid may want to be an engineer because the associated feelings... Um, that they put on components. And if there's some sort of glitch in the sense that they get a very anxious component or something, sorry, anxious feeling to a common component, um, that may result in attachment styles and other 
other things um, which can be negative and, and cause problems in adult life. But we don't have time to talk about that right now, so we'll get into it more um, in a later episode. Um, so just to recap, okay, everything that we talked about so far. So we broke down the idea of feelings essentially being a sum, like what we feel in any situation, like gut feelings, being a sum of all the components that are going on in that interaction, all the components, all the different things, trees, sun, wind, how, you know, if we're hungry, if we're tired, what we feel, um, okay, like, sorry, um, how we felt before, um, like what we were doing before, um, who's there, what they're dressed, what they're, sorry, what they're wearing, what we're wearing, all of that affects, um, all of those are components. And the feelings that we have attached to those components, the sum of feelings is going to lead to the way that we feel in the interaction, okay? Now, when we don't take care of ourselves, we bring negative components into the interaction and then blame them on the partner, blame them on the other person. I wasn't satisfied because my partner doesn't satisfy me. No, you weren't satisfied because you were tired and people aren't satisfied when they don't sleep enough for three months straight, okay? Like, no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, or when they don't post put limits on the amount of work that they're going to do and they end up taking way too much work and they don't feel like they're paid enough for it and oh my God, it just builds up. <sighs> okay, I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so a way to get around this is to kind of think of yourself as a third person in the sense of like, if my friend was doing what I was doing, would I tell my friend that what they're doing is going to make them happy? Okay? So just pay attention to that. Um, beware of the components that you bring in the situation, okay? Big, 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 big one. Big one, because I'm telling you, people blame their partners and it's really coming from themselves. But it's easier to believe that there's nothing we can do, you know, because like we don't want to feel responsible because it's so empowering when you ask yourself, what am I doing? What am I contributing to the situation? And you actually think of things you're doing, okay, that are contributing. That is so empowering because it's like, yes, yes, there's something I can do. If you can do something, that's amazing because it's like, then there's something I can do to make it better fantastic. You always want to feel like there's something you can do to make it better or else you're really stuck. Really, really stuck. Okay. So, um, components, self-care. Okay. The other thing is, so we talked about trauma being a very intense feeling attached to a component. And if that component is something very common, unfortunately that can lead to a disorder because it's going to prohibit us from engaging in, in that everyday life thing, okay? Um, we also hinted on the idea uh, about the stories that we tell ourselves, again, um, that the weights that you put on various components are related to your dialogue and the components that you notice, because we can't notice everything, guys. And I'm going to put it out there that partners actually miss most of the things that their partner, the other partner is doing for them. But if you judge favorably, you're going to notice more of them. And if you judge negatively, you're barely going to notice any of them, Okay. But if you chose to marry this person, if you chose to be together with this person for a while already, guys, there must be something good to them. If you look for the good, I'm telling you, you're going to find it 99.9% .9 of the time. Yes, there are extreme examples of, of people in history. I'm not going to mention. Um, but remember, if you blow up the good, if you look for the good component, you'll find it. If you look for the negative component, oh, trust me, you are going to 
find it. And the weights, pay attention to the weights you put on different components, okay? And don't assume that your partner feels the same way as you because they may be putting different weights on them based on the way they were raised, okay? The way their parents interacted with them when they were younger, the way that they see the world, the things that they're used to, okay? For example, those dinners on Fridays, if it's so important for you, but don't assume it's going to be important to your partner. We have to communicate that. I mean, obviously, but a lot of us aren't doing it enough by talking about our wants, needs, and expectations from the other. This is going to make it very clear the weights that we put on different components. And furthermore, don't expect your partner to see the world the same way you do. If you see the world very differently, okay, if for you dinner altogether as a family is very important, but to your partner it's very important that you go with friends, it is so important that you talk about this and recognize that it makes life more interesting. Because if you're exactly the same and agreed on everything, then it wouldn't be as exciting. I mean, it's important to have a lot of common for sure, but there are always differences between people. And because it's because of this component, component and associated feeling, okay? Pay attention. Your partner is going to put weights differently, okay? Don't expect them to do it the same way you do. And the feelings they associate with the same components as you are going to make them feel differently. To you, something makes you feel really good. To them, it doesn't make them feel so good. And this has to do also with love languages. Now we're tying everything together on the show, okay? Something may make you feel loved doesn't make your partner feel loved because the feeling they get with that component, the associated feeling, doesn't give the same feeling that it does for you. So just be aware, okay? One final, final, final idea before we wrap up, just to promote being aware. Um, I want you to think of buying and selling stocks, okay? Stocks on the stock market. They're stocks that give really, really good returns year after year, and they're stocks that continue to underperform, and they don't pay dividends, and okay, you don't get a lot of good from them. Are you always going to buy the bad stocks? Okay, if you're buying, if you're doing things and it's not working, okay, and the stocks give really, really poor returns year after year, you can change your investment strategy. You can buy stocks that give better dividends, that are more stable, okay? You can do that. You can change your investment portfolio. You can diversify. There's a whole bunch of tools you can do to improve your investments. And it's the same thing, guys, with the investments that you put in your partner. If what you're doing isn't working, okay? change your investment portfolio, change your style. If you if, if the stock isn't giving good returns, try a new one, try a new approach. It makes life more interesting and exciting. If something isn't working, if you're not clicking, pay attention to your differences and the weights you put on components and the associated feelings you have from them. And if something really triggers you, okay, be aware of that associated feeling and also recognize that it may not be so easy for your partner to think that an associated feeling that intense would come from a component that they may think is very minor. And it's not to say that there's something wrong with you, okay? No, 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 no. We all have this. We all have soft spots. It's just saying to be aware of it, okay? And to communicate that with your partner. Guys, we're all, all, all different, okay? We all have different components on different things. Sorry, we all have different weights on different components, different feelings associated with those components, things that we notice and things that we don't. It's different for everyone, okay? But just be aware of it, okay? It's not complicated. It's exciting. Be curious. You can think of your partner kind of like a textbook of a whole bunch of things that you can learn from them. Um, And... And use this as an opportunity to grow. Because we say often on the show, the more you know your partner, the more you can love them. Okay? And the more you know them in good times, the more you'll know them in bad times. I hope. I hope. So I hope you'll find this message meaningful and be able to apply it to your relationships. 
Um, and what we'll do in the next episode is we'll talk about this a little bit more. We'll talk more about memory um, and we'll wrap everything, everything up together. Um, and, and one last final thought. Um, we mentioned machine learning at the start. I just want to mention it again. The reason I use it as an analogy is because computers are going to put things into categories, okay? And our minds do that too. Our minds take experiences um, and we put them into categories of good, bad, happy, sad, anxious, peaceful, okay? And those experiences are all those different components. And over time, if you have many, many good interactions, like for example, if you feel very calm when you walk in a forest, you're going to group forest, essentially the component of being in a forest with peace, and tranquility, okay? And that's just, that's why I brought it up, because our minds are grouping things together, just like computers do. So just be aware, okay, of the feeling, the component, and the weight that you put on it, and that you're, through your experiences, um, your mind is assigning to it, okay? And be aware also that they change, which is why we have a maintenance stage of our relationship, guys. People change, and through having regular check-ins with our partners and just being aware, being aware that the things change and that these components exist, we can learn to recognize when shifts occur and respond to them accordingly so that we can be effective to our partners. We can be putting forth things that they put a lot of weight on and that they assign a really good feeling to instead of trying things that don't get a lot of weight and are associated with a negative feeling. And just because it's associated with a positive feeling for us, doesn't mean so with that, that it's associated also with a positive feeling for them, okay? Which is why it's so important to communicate wants, needs, and expectations, okay? And to be aware people are changing, people are different, and that makes the world so, so exciting. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you found it meaningful and that you'll be able to apply these concepts to your relationship. If you want to see more, check out our blog, Learn Love ca slash blog we have a lot of this with some more examples from anthropology and a lot of pictures there on our blog um check us out on social media we're learn to love media on twitter instagram and facebook um now it's very important that you spell it right it's l-e-a-r-n then the number two number two okay l-o-v-e no spaces media okay um, in Twitter, it's all together. Learn to love media, no spaces. And Instagram, there's a dot. Instagram, Facebook, learn to love dot media. Um, fantastic. And you can find us also on Pinterest. Learn to love on Pinterest. Thank you so much for listening. Um, send me your thoughts to contact at learnlove.ca. I'd love to hear what you think about the show, the feedback, and anything that you'd like to see on the show in future. And I can't wait to welcome you back in the next episode. Thanks so much for joining me.